Word on Fire is brought to you by Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Chicago area since 1837. This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, our Gospel for today is taken from the 14th chapter of Luke's Gospel. The 14th chapter of Luke is really worth pondering because it's filled with all kinds of prescriptions about the life of discipleship. How do we follow the Lord Jesus? What we see here today is something very surprising, even shocking. He's been leading his disciples along, leading the crowds along, and now today he drops a kind of spiritual bomb on them. If you really want to know what it means to follow me, here's what you have to do. Now listen to him. If anyone comes to me without hating his father and mother, his wife and his children, his brothers and sisters, indeed his very self, he cannot be my follower. Now imagine someone hearing this. They've been intrigued by this figure. They've heard his words. They've seen his great miracles. They followed the Lord Jesus. And they're tracking along with him. Maybe they've heard the Sermon on the Mount, and okay, they can live with the Sermon on the Mount. And then they come to this. If anyone comes to me without hating, and the word in the Greek there is miseo, it means to hate. Hate. There's no ambiguity about it. Anyone comes to me without hating his mother and father, his wife, his children, his brothers and sisters, and indeed his very self, he cannot be my follower. Well, I mean, there are two major problems right off the bat. First of all, who do you think you are? That problem which runs all through the New Testament, you know? Who do you think you are? I have to hate everyone I love in order to follow you? So first of all, just this enormous claim about himself being made. But secondly, people were probably scratching their heads. This guy's spoken of love, hasn't he? Love even of your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who maltreat you, right? So what gives? Now he's telling me I have to hate those who are nearest and dearest to me. I've got to hate my parents, my wife, my kids. What is this, madness? Well, I imagine many went away when they heard things like this from the Lord Jesus. Well, Christians, this is important stuff. We are right near the heart of it, I think, here. And we have to do some careful work to understand what's going on. Let me get at it this way. Let me ask you a blunt question. Would you say that you, deep down, are really happy? Do you know, frankly, a lot of happy people? By happy here, I mean someone who's deeply content, who's really right with himself, with God, someone who's deeply happy. Are you? Do you know a lot of people who are? To be honest with you, I don't know that many people who are really happy. 
You know, I've told the story before about the curé of ours, the great priest who was famous for hearing confessions. At the end of his life, someone said to him, well, what's the wisdom you take from all these years of hearing confessions? He said that people are a lot sadder than they seem. That's always struck me as pretty much right. People are much sadder than they seem. Oh, a lot of us, I know, a lot of us put on a good face. We know how to look happy, most of us. But are we? Now, this should lead to another question. Maybe we've got this happiness thing all wrong. Maybe the way we think about happiness isn't what happiness really is. In fact, isn't it possible that we find ourselves in the grip of an illusion? What is the illusion? Let me put it this way. It's the illusion that says, I will be happy when? Oh, I'll be happy when I get enough pleasure. I don't have enough pleasure in my life. When I get more pleasure, I'll be happy. Oh, I know I'm not happy, but I'll be happy when I have enough power. I got some, but I want more. I want that higher position. I want more power. That's when I'll be happy. When? I'll be happy when they admire me enough. Remember my talk from last week? Honor. I ain't got a little bit of honor now, but I'm not happy because I'm not honored enough. But when I get enough honor, then I'll be happy. Friends, the view here is, and we are all victims of it. We all are. The view is, when I fill up my yearning ego with enough attachments, then I'll be happy. You want to know the hard truth? Hard spiritual truth? None of that makes us happy. None of it. When we take in a little pleasure, a little power, a little honor, whatever it is, we take in a little bit of it, yes, we do experience a brief rush, a brief excitement. And then we all know the truth of this, don't we? Christians, we all know that very soon thereafter, we experience a kind of letdown, a sort of boredom, a restlessness, and we find ourselves wanting more and more and more. And now our whole life becomes this terrible quest to fill our egos up with these goods of the world, money and fame and sex and pleasure and power and so on. Hmm. I wonder if that's why we're not happy, that we're living in this kind of odd realm of illusion. What if I told you a secret? Right now, right in front of you, you have everything you need to be happy. I'll say it again. Right now, everyone listening to me, right in front of you, I don't care where you are, what your state of life is, what your pleasure and pain is, how many attachments you have, right now, everyone has right in front of them everything he needs to be happy. What if I told you that the Holy Grail was right in front of you every moment? I think in a funny, indirect way, this is what the Lord Jesus is telling us in this strange gospel. Well, how's it work? Remember that book, Man's Search for Meaning? Viktor Frankl wrote it, became kind of a classic. Viktor Frankl showed in that book 
that there were happy people at Auschwitz. Hmm. Happy people at Auschwitz. Auschwitz is hell on earth. You know, concentration camp, the worst of them. People deprived of, of everything. Of all the things we try to fill our ego up with, they were deprived of those. You know, money, wealth, status, fame, pleasure, anything. It was all taken away. Yet, yet, Frankel says, there were happy people at Auschwitz. A related story about someone else whose life ended at Auschwitz. St. Edith Stein. Edith Stein was a Carmelite nun. Gestapo came to her convent. They dragged her and her sister away, put them on a train. And the train went to Auschwitz, and they were killed a few days after they arrived. But some people saw them on their way to Auschwitz. Some who were on the train with them survived the war and talked about it afterwards. Edith Stein, in her Carmelite nun's habit, was ministering to those around her on the train. Calm, at peace, praying for those around her. And you say, come on, how could this be? She's in a cattle car, deprived of everything, on her way to the death camp that would take her life. And yet, she was able, with a kind of serenity of spirit, to minister to those around her and to be a bearer of God's presence. What gives? What gives? How is that possible? Listen again now to the Lord. If anyone comes to me without hating his father and mother, his wife, his children, his brothers, his sisters, indeed his very self, he cannot be my follower. Christians, is it possible that what he's saying is this? You must hate all these things and all these people in the measure that they have become for you attachments. In the measure that you think they are things that you are going to fill your ego up with in order to satisfy it. In the measure that they function that way, you must hate them. And in that strange spiritual act, you will in fact find freedom and joy. And ironically, you will be able truly to love all those people for the first time. You know, let me just say a word about the kind of shock therapy Jesus employs here. This is something we find often in the spiritual tradition. That someone needs to be shocked out of a false way of seeing. Shocked out of a false way of choosing. You know that story, maybe I told you before, about the young man that comes to the Buddhist monk. And he's seeking enlightenment. And he sees the monk and he says, I'm seeking enlightenment. And he puts his hand out like this. Well, the monk slapped his hand. This hand that wants it, that's grasping at it, trying to seize it. Because that's the problem. Jesus here is using a similar, I think, shock therapy. Hate the very things that the world has convinced you you need to be happy. Hate 
the attachments and possessions the world has convinced you you need to be happy. And when you hate them, you become detached from them, you discover something miraculous. That the Holy Grail is right in front of you. You have everything you need right now, right in front of you to be happy. And yes, Christians, even at Auschwitz, even on a cattle car taking you to Auschwitz, you can find peace. Is this what Jesus means by the kingdom of God? Is this what he means by eternal life? Is this what he means by salvation? I think it is. The church speaks to us of original sin. It means a darkening of the mind and a skewing of the will. It means we think about things all wrong. It means we choose things in the wrong way. Is he giving us a kind of shock therapy here? Boom, to break us into a new consciousness. Let me close with this. Imagine for a second Jesus crucified, naked, humiliated, stripped of all the world holds as good, hungry, thirsty, nailed to the cross. That is a happy man. That is a happy man. When we grasp that truth, we have grasped what the kingdom of God means, what eternal life means, what salvation means. Hate what the world tells you to love. Love what God tells you to do. That's peace. And God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. Most interment arrangements at the 42 Archdiocese of Chicago cemeteries are made through a pre-need plan. Your thoughtful planning today is economically prudent and contributes to peace of mind for you and your loved ones. Catholic Cemeteries counselors are available at your convenience. For more information, call 708-449-6100. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837.